and welcome to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Is there a reason why you're doing Emo Phillips? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm I was Jeremiah. Just, I was just like, well, what have I what have I not done? <laughs> I'm Jeremiah and joined by as always by Thad. I was not here last time. You weren't. So not always. 99% of the time. Like a lot, but not always. That's and a the lot. other person who wasn't here last time, Kara. I'm here in spirit. I mean, to be fair, almost <laughs> no one was here last time, like just population-wise. This is true, but almost no one is here most of the time, if we're going by that metric. I mean, if you're describing our listener base, that's... that's okay. Anyhow. In fact, my manager at work likes to listen to this show. What? Really? <laughs> yeah! Hey, Kara's uh... manager. How's it going? Uh, so, no uh, we're taking yet another break from the musicals because it is October, which means postseason for baseball, which is the, <laughs> one of the few things that gives me life throughout the year. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I love that you introduced it that way because literally anywhere else on the entire internet, if someone was like, well, it's October and that means <laughs> that then they have like a cute Halloween name for their, their Twitter or whatever, but not well, here in this house. We're talking about baseball. Understand that Molly was like, you're not doing horror movies. I'm like, baseball. And she's like, but that's blasphemous. I'm like, shut your hole. <laughs> So I wish, uh, I wish to to preface for the studio audience. Um, we watched a documentary called Baseball that has initially nine episodes and now eleven. I did not watch the last two. Hearts to Jeremiah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, of the nine episodes, each of them is two hours long. So this was some serious baseballing. <laughs> and I uh, I do love baseball, which I'll talk more about in a minute. But after. 18 hours of baseball. <laughs> At the pinnacle. After absorbing the history of baseball in the United States from its beginning <laughs> until, like, the 1990s, <laughs> distilling all of that knowledge and experience into one statement. Kara, what would your statement be? Fuck Ty Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I love about the Ken Burns? He agrees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just what a garbage bag. That's our one. That's our one f bomb. This is a PG thirteen podcast, oh, and we use it appropriately. Yeah, yeah, sure. There are only um, one. I, I would yeah, like to no, overhear like, one of the people on the. So it's like he's a black mark on baseball. Yep. Yeah. I. Uh, so I would like to overshare my, my background about baseball because, Jeremiah, it sounds like you're someone that, that loves, like, the professional game, that likes to follow it. Am I correct in that summation? Yes. I do not. Okay. I love baseball. I love baseball. Actually, um, both Kara and I are the antithesis of a comment that was made later on in the series where someone said uh, – one of the people – one of the interview subjects said that, like, it was impossible to only love baseball in the abstract – and Kara and I both only love baseball in the abstract. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love to be at a baseball game. Outside of that, you can piss off. <laughs> I I loved playing baseball as a little girl. And when, uh, like, I played baseball for a couple, when I was little. And then I got to the point, like, third or fourth grade, where they started to, they separate out you out by gender. And they put me on the softball team. And I flipped out because I didn't want to play softball, and they finally got out of me. There are two reasons I don't want to play softball. The first is that the balls are bigger and you're more likely to break your nails. And the second is I can't hit people as hard with the ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, I'm a southpaw. I'm a left-handed I'm a left-hand person. Um, they liked me as... Uh, uh, the what? term is you are a sinister person. I'm a sinister person. Uh, I was the sacrificial batter because I hit every, every, if I hit it, I was going to hit it straight to first base and immediately be out. Um, but I would usually hit it crazily enough that they wouldn't just catch it. It wasn't like a pop fly. And Something went wrong. They did put me in left field because I was very curiously, I was either pitching or in left field because I was afraid of the being hit by the ball. But if I went for it, I would catch it. It was very strange. And then uh, I moved to Arizona where it's 113 degrees in the shade and I gave up. But when I came back in college, I actually waitressed at a minor league ballpark. 
Oh, nice. Which I loved. And I did that for two or three years um, during the season, uh, the uh, River City Bandits up in the Quad Cities. And I don't know if you know this, but River City Bandits and Peoria, what are they, the Peoria, not the Chiefs. Why am I thinking that? Anyway, the Peoria team, they hate each other. <laughs> and uh, one, there was an incident where um, I can't remember which team it was, but one of them, their pitcher hit another team's batter and it was very debatable about whether or not it was intentional but when they switched you are correct it is the peoria chiefs it is peoria chiefs oh cool i was right and then when they switched the other pitcher very clearly went for the batter's head and got it (laughs) and there was a fight on the field and we uh we managed to separate them long enough to finish the game but the police hustled the visiting team out I was also um, an immensely skilled waitress because I can carry up to 13 beers on a tray on my head. Oh, nice. And, right. And so I would tell them, like, if I make it, you, I said, if, if I drop it, you tip me what I want. But if I make it, you have to tip me a dollar for every beer that I have on my head. And the thing is, uh, our uniform is white polo shirts. So if you were a smart girl, even if you dropped the beer, you'd make tips anyway. Nice. Ah. <laughs> nice. uh. That's uh yeah it's it's important to learn the the best practices or is it breast practices? Uh, yeah. I was obsessed with Babe Ruth because he was also a southpaw. I had like three or four biographies of him. I was obsessed with him. Um, my grandpa actually went out and got me. Um, I had a fo- a framed photo of Babe Ruth at bat right. in my room for years and years. I don't know where it is. Oh. I still have my glove. We could only find one glove. We went to like six stores in our rural area. We had to like go to a different county. And we could find one glove, and it was an adult man's glove, and that was like eight. <laughs> and my dad is like, this is all you got. And so we had to put a softball in it, and we leathered it and wrapped it and put all the encyclopedias in the house on it to shape it. And I still have that glove. It's what you get for being left-handed. That's just that's the world. I'm a better breed. Fad, <laughs> uh, what is your experience with baseball? Uh, it was... I mean, we. I, I remember distantly uh, going to to Royals games as a as a young child. George Brett was was the the only player that I cared about, even slightly. Right. And all, he was he. If you're not from Kansas City, George Brett is a god in Kansas City. Yeah, it's the streets <laughs> named after him. Like it's There's yeah, an overpass. It's big deal. He was number five. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> But, uh, and I played like T-ball and some like little league baseball, but also, uh, uh, saying that I played any youth sports is abstractly true, but what I actually did was get bored and stop paying attention, uh, off on the the side areas, uh, until my parents realized that maybe they should stop enrolling me in these things. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, like, uh. I, I I haven't really followed baseball as an adult. Like I said, like my I I enjoy baseball on a very like I like being at a baseball game level. I don't have a lot of patience for um for watching baseball on TV. Although oddly, I have more patience for listening to baseball on the radio because the there's sounds something... of baseball are some of the best sounds. Yeah. Also, baseball is one of the few games that you can coherently listen to on the radio. Yeah. Uh, weirdly. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I wonder if that's also, like, they, I feel like they, they didn't go into that a lot uh, because there's a lot to go into, but I, I kind of wonder if that's also one of the reasons why, like, until TV, like, no other sport could even come close to baseball. <laughs> I was, during, so uh, in the documentary, the his, it's called Baseball, it's essentially a history of baseball up until about the early 90s. Uh, at several points, they go over either individual games or World Series, and all not all of these do I know how it ended. Quite a few of them I don't, because I don't follow the professional sport very well. And, like, there are a few that Thais and I, like, put down our phones to stare <laughs> at the... And, like, these are the ones where they don't have footage. It's too yeah. old. Yeah. Like, we are putting down our phones, like, sweating, <laughs> to like listen to the outcome of the game, like I had to pee, and Thais was like, "We're in the middle of something." <laughs> but yeah, um, like baseball is, uh, like I, I enjoy the experience of a baseball game, but I, um, as anyone who has played tabletop games with me can attest to, I don't really care about stats. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. I am there. I am there for the experience. Uh, I am not there for statistics, so I don't really follow much in the way of of histories or, or like players or whatever. 
uh, uh, like especially since like we stopped going to baseball games when I was a kid because uh, when the the strike happened in like what ninety four ninety five yeah um so that sort of shook us off of regularly going to baseball games and it never really got back on um, same here after and uh, really the, the like as an adult I, I if if the opportunity comes up I will always go to a baseball game like if someone invites me and I don't have to pay is always good <laughs> well, but I, 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 like the last time I went to a Royals game they beat the Yankees and that that has just stayed in my heart I'm like that was a good <laughs> well not only that but like yes baseball is expensive but it's also comparatively to the other sports rather cheap yeah yeah also baseball is extremely convenient. Because if you can't make it to a game today, there'll be another game. <laughs> there are 162 games a season. You'll be able to get one or two. Yeah, like like eat me football. I'm not I'm not planning my life around your schedule. Understand, part of the beauty of baseball is the fact that the schedule is so punishing. A perfect yeah. example yeah. would be this year. My beloved Dodgers had a. Club setting record of 106 wins this season, and then right. lost on Game Five of the NLDS. Not the champion, but the division. So, so I, uh, sorry, you, 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 you bringing up your uh, your beloved team uh, brought something else to my head that I that I thought of. Um, I don't know. We, we we started this in an intensely here are our personal experiences with the sport, but should we talk a little bit about this, the framing and the the presentation of the documentary? That's series? what I was going to get to once everyone got done. Well, I want I would like to to share two final things. The first is the year after I moved to Arizona, the Arizona Diamondbacks were established with some of the worst colors, but they are still one of my right. heart what teams. Are the, what are the Diamondbacks colors? Oh, it used to be purple and green. Yeah. But you did have Vandy Johnson, who's one of the better. Modern we did. Players. We did. And then uh, my friend, a friend of mine lives in Chicago, and he's from he's from a background that does not play baseball. He, he's he's an immigrant of type unspecified, and his parents, uh, he, he was born here, but his parents just, they didn't get into American sports. They were about soccer. Gotcha. And uh, so I'm visiting him, and he's like, let's, let's go get some snacks. And as I'm coming out of his house, like, so we're going out the back way, and I look, and I'm like, what the, what the hell is behind you? Is that? Is that Wrigley Field? Do you live in Wrigleyville? And he like, and he's a dark guy, and he like starts to like turn this bright purple red, and he's like, "Fuck that field! I hate those people! I hate every!" I, and he starts going on this rant. I'm like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "They park in my yard. They park in my driveway. I am late for work. I can't get into my own door because these drunk white people and their stupid game." And I'm like, you ever thought about charging them money? He's like, I don't want their filthy baseball money. <laughs> uh, Why did you move to Wrigleyville if you hate baseball? He's like, I didn't know what it was, okay? I didn't know what it was. That's, and that's really fair, because one of the things the uh, baseball documentary looks at is how provincial the game is. Yeah. It doesn't, like, outside of Japan, and possibly now in South Korea, like, uh, most of the world doesn't give a crap about baseball. Yeah, it, and Japan, it, it, it I wonder, cool. loves baseball in the way that they love baseball because they tend to have a love of most things American. Yeah, and they love I, idol I feel like, culture too. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that was a consequence of uh, post-war occupation. Like yeah. baseball was in Japan in the late 1800s, but I feel like it uh, it sort of let's just say it was it was inspired to to have a resurgence after the war. Right. There's a there's a bit in the documentary that um the that, you know, Babe Ruth and a bunch of other greats actually went over to Japan for uh, an exhibition game in the 20s. Oh, yeah, that's the And then so he, was, he was struck out by this young Japanese pitcher, A.G. AG I can't remember his last, his, his last name. And, and uh, you know, this, this, this young Japanese man just struck out all of these great, great American hitters. One of the greatest American hitter lineups ever made. And years later, would die in World War II fighting with the Japanese forces. Yeah, Eiji like, Samamoa. Yeah, Samamoa. Yeah. Eiji Samamoa. And like, like the fact Samamura. that the doc- Samamura. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, no, that's that's my eye not coming out. And the fact that the uh, I, I really thought it was the, the the documentary made a very concerted effort to talk about other aspects of baseball besides the um. 
the mainstream majors and the other leagues and other things that happened. And the fact that they brought that back like two episodes later, essentially, I thought was very tragic like, and very touching. I, I, I would butt in and say that uh, it's not it's not just the U.S. and Japan because also very big in like the Caribbean islands. Right, the Caribbean the, islands in Canada, but mostly. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like I Canada feel like the, really does love the Expos and um, oh, what's the other team? No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Canada. I'm just bitter that you have healthcare. Uh, <laughs> that is a fair thing to be bitter about. <laughs> Uh, but yes. So the 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 series Ken Burns Baseball, nineteen ninety three. Yep. So if you've never seen a Ken Burns uh, documentary mini uh, mini series, um, they are essentially very dry, and they usually have a narrator. Uh, oftentimes Peter Coyote, but this time they use John Chancellor, who's a journalist. And depending on the subject, you'll have them divided up into particular episodes. With baseball, since it's right there, you just went with each episode called an inning. And as Kevin mentioned, there are nine innings, and then there's another one they made when they re-released the show on PBS again uh, called Extra Innings. That was, what, 2010, 11? Yeah. 2010. yeah. Also, I, I do want to watch that eventually uh, because it's narrated by Keith David, and I will listen to anything Keith David ever says. If you need it, I can mail it to you. Oh, no, I, I think it's it's also on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's, just, it's 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 on there. I just um, we'd watched a lot and needed a break, and we're like, well, Jeremiah never said we had to watch the tenth inning. <laughs> <laughs> it was implied. Never mind. Um, I we, we were, like, Jeremiah, there was a mouse in our house, and I had to have a pretty a pretty big freak out about um, the mice. So right. I was I was very busy. So now, do you understand why I was like, have you guys started watching this yet? <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, do you understand why we lied about how <laughs> I was like, really? like well we'll finish it in a week I'm like that's going to be a hell of a week for you guys I the mean, Babe Ruth really. episode is almost three hours like con- considering what our lives are normally like honestly it's it's not that big of a deal it's just fun to talk it up right. yeah it was more that watching the same kind of content than watching that much content sadly uh, yeah <laughs> My phone tells me I average seven and a half hours a day on my phone, so let's <laughs> let's just keep moving on. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, they're very, um, I don't know, I, I would say multimedia in their presentation. Like bef- the, the things that take place before film uses a lot of archival photos yeah. and uh, background music and things like that. Well, they do that. They find uh, old recordings. They talk to a large array of people. I, I will. I will journalists oh. to actual players to comedians to musicians to... That's where I want to butt in. Uh, yeah. Heavy, heavy bias in the interviews toward uh, the the East Coast teams, uh, specifically the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees. Thaddeus, <laughs> you, you, we already blew it. You gave you it to me. You said it at least twice. Don't you get on my back. You said I could have it. You, you said it was mine. But no. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the the Yankees can suck it. Uh, here's the thing. Here's my thing about the Yankees. As long as I'm alive, f the Yankees. But before I was alive, and in That's the fair. past, I'm just That's like, yeah. <laughs> it's that weird thing where, like, if the team exists, like, the team that exists while you're alive, mm. after them. The team that exists <laughs> before you're alive, they were good, solid people. <laughs> Not a part of your life whatsoever. It's okay to admire them. I cried when the Dodgers left Brooklyn. Like, not in real life, because it happened before I was born, but in the show. Mm-hmm. In the documentary, I cried. I cried. I also cried at uh, Jackie's funeral. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh I was yeah. amazed by, speaking of Babe Ruth, like, the, there's a reason why the Babe Ruth one goes on for so long. Like, you, it's mm. hard to describe the impact he had, not just on baseball, but the yeah. fact that even people who don't follow baseball know who Babe Ruth is. Yeah, he is the Superman of baseball. You don't have to be anywhere near his medium to know about him. But then when he's dying of cancer and he says goodbye, mm. like if they have that little ceremony, it's retiring. Yeah. And it's like he has like he has throat cancer, I believe. So it's like his voice is almost gone. Yeah. And since we've seen Babe Ruth on film so much, and we've seen it, like it was really sort of devastating just to see how much he had wasted away yeah yeah also but, also i would say uh 
as a way of bringing the tone back up from that moment. He is the most Babe Ruth looking man I have ever seen. <laughs> nobody, nobody looks like Babe Ruth the way that Babe Ruth does. And I can't explain that in any way that it doesn't sound like nonsense, but I feel like Jeremiah, you will agree with me on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cause they talk about like how the fact that he has, he's like, he's this big, Build chested he's, guy, but he's, he's like very built like Kevin Smith. and these tiny legs, and he just runs like the wind. He looks like a frog. <laughs> he uh. does. He looks like a man frog, and he has this, this kind of like wide, flat face, and he just looks like this kind of. What I'm saying, he. It's it's actually no wait. It's not that he's built like Kevin Smith. It, it's that he's built like the way that Kevin Smith was drawn in the Clerks cartoon. Yes, like he is an animated character of a human being. And uh, he's such a such a dumb sweetheart. Oh yeah, he's absolutely a, just a big giant child. I, I I'm glad. I was glad to find out that like, and I had actually forgotten about this. That um, it seems like his his second marriage. She she understood what was what what, what his deal was. So yeah, like they were able to work out whatever needed to be worked out. Yeah. Um. But okay. So also for those at home, um. The show tries to do, or I should say movie tries to do, the documentary, is put baseball in context of the time that it's being played. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason why they talk to a lot of historians is because it's really hard to look at the history of America and ignore baseball mm. because of the massive popularity and the fact that it's been around since before the Civil War. Yeah. Like, like it, it is, is part it of the is an institution. <laughs> Like they talk, they you they read letters of people talking about like, yeah, we just had to fight this battle, but it kind of sucks. We lost the only baseball in Houston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. It was they shot the pitcher. <laughs> they shot the pitcher, captured one of the left fielders, and we have lost the only baseball in Houston. <laughs> I mean, that um, describes Houston pretty well. I've driven through there. But uh, as Wakara said, they do a really good job of looking at the outliers of people as well. Not just like the Bay Booth, but the Alty Weisses, um, the Moses Fleetwoods, and mm. like the coaches and the managers, as well as like looking at race, class, and gender. Not so much as much on gender, because that's mm. a wholly like, different documentary, but they did their best. Yeah, like they they give a decent amount of time to like the the teams for like the the league of their own teams, right. like mm-hmm. the, the folks who inspired that movie. But I uh, was, and I'm always sort of shocked when I see this, especially with the Kim Burns documentary. He'll find old footage yeah. at a time where we basically we have in our heads convinced that they don't have film. Yeah, and the or, like they do have film. They don't. They weren't filming everyday things. So, like, I think it's, like, the first inning or the second inning, they have footage of girls in the 1890s playing baseball. I think one of the pieces of footage that stuck out the most to me, and I I don't have any, I completely lost what uh, inning it was in, but was the the footage of these people in, like, the, I think one of the Spalding factories? Yeah. Uh, Just, like, stitching baseballs and and making gloves, and, and it was just, like, really... Yeah, it was know. really there was, cool. There's something really striking about it because you don't get to see everyday work uh, of the what. Like it was in one of the early episodes, so it was. It was. Uh, I don't know. It, was, it really stuck out to me. There's a uh, one of the things that I, I really liked about this, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping tangents that we were mentioning it. That's is fine. they follow the history of the African American League, yeah, of of the all black league, and it's. Yeah. Uh, they have some black players like talk about like what it was like after integration, how the league kind of fell apart, and then like trying to keep it alive and all these things, and trying to break the color barrier. And it's it's so amazing. And there's this amazing pitcher in the black league named Satchel. Satchel, I can't remember his last name. Page. And he's probably by the time he finally gets into the majors in his very late thirties or very early forties, which is usually past most like intense athletes like this prime. Like in his fifties. Yeah. He was, he was pretty old. He lied (laughs) obsessively about his age, which apparently he thought was funny, which I think is indeed funny. Thaddeus. Um, I agree. But, um, the, one of the greatest parts of it, of this for me was to hear that he did get his place in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Not only that, Eventually. but he pitched a no-hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. Oh, he was something. Um, 
There is a movie called Soul of the Game. It's a made-for-TV mm-hmm. movie starring um, Delroy Lindo as Satchel Paige. Oh, really? Yeah. And, um, oh, God, I'm blinking out, but it has Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson, and Jackie Robinson. And what the movie did for me was sort of put into focus what the documentary hinted at, which was one thing that happened to a lot of the black players was eventually they went insane. Yeah. Yeah. And what Soul of the Game does is show you, oh, they went insane because that's what happens when you're black and you live in America and racism is a real thing. The mental stress of you being the top of your game but still being black, and so that means nothing. Yeah, because you can't outplay being black. Right. And uh, Mackay Williamson as Josh Gibson and Blair Underwood as Jackie Robinson. It's It's actually a really good movie. Um... But yeah, no, oh, like, uh, the yeah, documentary a does a HBO really good job original. of showing, huh? There's an HBO original, apparently. Yeah, it does, a, the documentary does a really good job of showing, like, the stresses of what not being white, and the links of which some white uh, baseball managers, even as racist as they were, went to to try to get them onto their teams yeah. by making them see, appear, oddly enough, Latino. Yeah. Or, uh, or native or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who was who was the great there was one was it Sandy? There was a great baseball manager that was very well known and very beloved and was desperate to bring black players onto his team and just couldn't do it. And when he died, they found Oh that's Joe McGraw. And, that's that's Joe McGraw, that's right. Joe McGraw, sorry, I had the wrong name, I'm so sorry. No, that's um, Sandy Koufax for some reason. Yeah, I was thinking of Sandy Koufax. I'm sorry, I mixed him up. But um, yeah, they found this list of all the black players that he wanted to bring onto the team. And there is a letter. I don't think it's a letter. I think it's a uh, an article or um, opinion piece written by a black newspaper person. Again, I'm terrible with names. That says that, that basically says um, they know that if we play, we'll beat them. <laughs> <laughs> They know that they can't play with us, and it was actually quite great. So a lot of they actually interviewed several um, great black ball players who are still living. Yeah, because Buck O'Neill was, was still alive uh, in the early nineties, so he, he and, was one of the repeat interviews. And they, they yeah, and they they you know talk about Satchel. They talk about uh, is it Josh or John Gibson? I'm so horrible. Josh, Josh. Josh Gibson. I did have it right. And they talk about you know Jackie Robinson, and they're talking about all this and. Uh, they, they like make it very clear, like, oh, we we were better ball players than the white players, like, and they would have was it barnstormings where they they would have like yeah. white teams facing black teams, and the black teams would just mop them, just mop up these professional white baseball players, just make them eat dirt, and they had longer seasons, and they played in worse places, and they made less money, and they played longer and harder. And just, it's like they were, they, it was one of those things, it's one of those moments that you can't almost think about too much because the rage as to what the game lost and to the great players that we will never know about and the great games that were never recorded. Like it's, I, I, felt, I felt the documentary made it very clear of the, the tremendous amount of how amazing the Black League was and the tremendous amount of loss that they didn't get the kudos that they deserved there is um the denzel Wa- uh, washington movie uh fences that came out a few years ago hmm. um <laughs> based on the august and uh, now i'm having trouble with names uh, what's up uh, you talk to me too long it is contagious it's based on a play it's based uh, on the that. play yeah um august wilson hmm. and uh the denzel washington character um they talk about how he was one of the best baseball players in the league but he was just too early because, like, uh, the year or two after he retired is when Jackie uh, broke into the Brooklyn Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, you could have made it, but you were just too early. And there's a line that he says, like, there ought never been a time called too early. And, yeah. like, that is a very real wound and trauma that it, the community carries with. It's simply because, like, yeah, he's right. There shouldn't have been a time when it's like, oh, no, too early. But what's yeah. fascinating for me is it looks at the fact of, the myth of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, and mm. so much as like 
black people did play baseball. Then they didn't. And then they did again. It's like the fact that we allowed them to play, and then, as if I remember correctly, to avoid ungentlemanly feelings or undue emotions, they decided to just remove them entirely. Any any number of the usual, like, separate but equal excuses. I think that... um... I don't know if at the end of his life he would change his mind about that, but about what he did, but I do believe that playing on the white team is what ultimately killed Jackie because he died of, of heart problems, diabetes and heart problems. Oh, yeah. And I'm guessing if he, I mean, I, who knows, but I'm guessing if maybe he hadn't had to subject himself to years and years of like horrific, violent abuse, that maybe he would have lived a little longer. <laughs> Possibly. Um, there is, if you get a chance, speaking of Jackie Robinson, um, well, before I get on to Jackie Robinson. Sorry, please, sorry. Uh, but no, but like going back to the fact that I like that the documentary goes out of its way to be like, there are other people besides Jackie Robinson. And mm-hmm. even Jackie Robinson, like, you, you realize I'm only like the first, there are like 70 others, 70,000 yeah. others. Um, but well, it's, it's, I feel like one of the things that's really good about the way that they, they sort of showed the history was that there are, co- there are cultural costs to integration. Yeah. Yeah. Like it broke the, uh, the, the Negro league, like yeah. was yeah. like it, it, that was essentially it's death now, by the way, uh, anyone, uh, who happens to be in and around Kansas city, that is where the Negro league museum is. And you should definitely check it out. Yeah. Thaddeus are going to be going next time we're, we're down that ways. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. I, I don't think Sarah knew the museum was there until Mm-mm. we were walking and I was like, Oh, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jackie Robson has a biography called, I never had a mate. Hmm. And it is, if you want to read more, I would suggest reading that. It talks a lot about his issues with his son. Um, because baseball, what it does, the documentary, giving it such a broad scope, we also start to see how certain people have been involved with the game almost their entire life. Mm-hmm. And speaking yeah. of Jackie Robinson, you almost have to mention Branch Rickey. Right. Yeah. Who has been in the game for... Longer than I've been involved in my life. <laughs> like, and the amount of times that he changed baseball, like, fundamentally, is yeah. impressive. Like, uh, I, yeah, it's it, just one of those things, like, how, yeah, I don't know, like, it, it's, it's interesting to me, like, how I, that's a name I didn't know, I objectively did not know before <laughs> watching this series, and it's like, Wow. Well, That's, yeah, not, uh, not only does he come up with the idea of warm-ups and exercises and getting, like, practicing and drill drill practices mm-hmm. and sort of taking Cap Anson's idea of spring training and expanding it, but he starts like, you know what? Why don't I just find my own talent? Why don't I just create it from the ground up? Yeah, why don't I just, why don't I just make my own league and then I can just go and find the players because they'll, <laughs> they'll come to me. <laughs> So one of the great things about this is it's largely divided up by time and rarely skips ahead. So you'll hear about a player in 1915, and you'll hear a name, and you'll be like, okay. And so you're watching sort of the 1910-1920 section, and they'll get into the 30s, and you might hear that name again. And then in the 40s is when that name blasts you in the face, and then you won't hear it again, and you'll hear it in the fifth. We won't hear it in the yeah. 50s, and then suddenly it'll come back in the 60s. And so there are these names that come up over and over and over again. And the 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 documentary does a very good job with very rarely foreshadowing who these people are or what will happen to them. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even know which ones. It, it, it's sort of like experiencing it in the time period where if you'd been like messing around with baseball. You've been like, oh, the George Herman Ruth, whatever, and then as his career comes, and then he'll be like sewn into like the weft of the story and pop in and out of it. And so all these characters and all these storylines that are going, I mean, it's all real and they're all people, like in and out and in and out. And so it's really it's a very tightly woven. Uh, yeah, it's it's tightly woven, but like Branch, Ricky, and uh, McGraw were people that came up. There's a uh, Wagner was like a, a great pitcher. His Wagner, name. Yeah. Yeah, he came up. There, there's a there's one story about a great a great hitter, a pre Babe Ruth hitter, and uh, a new pitch. I can't remember what his name was. I'm hoping Jeremiah. When I tell you the story, you'll pick it out. There's a story that this pitcher was pitching to him, 
and the uh, the umpire kept calling ball and kept calling ball, and finally this brand new baby pitcher is pitching to this great baseball legend at the time, and he yells to the umpire. He's like, he yells to the umpire, "That's a strike!" And the umpire stands up, takes off his mask, says, "Sir, he will tell you when it is a strike." <laughs> I know the story, and the god, the pitcher's eluding me. The, the pitcher Johnson. Uh, yeah, but he, he was he was a great a great ball player of his right. day. Was it Bob Fella? No. Okay, but it was, I think it might have been around the Bob Fella era. Yeah. Alright, but yeah, no, like, the narrative of how they weave history in. Like, every episode will start with a bit of a prologue. This like, is when this was person, this is when yeah. this person died, this is some of the things that happened. Like, the first inning, they do a lot of sort of, like, introductory groundwork. But then mm-hmm. after that, they start going, alright, and they give you a bit of a recap. And then they just move on. Like they try, they do a very good job of giving, like allowing you to connect the dots, but without foreshadowing. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, really? Like, oh, by the way, this is going to be. Keep an eye on this guy. He's going to be huge. They'll yeah, just the most, drop the name and move on. Yeah, the most they do will just be those those sort of bare bones introductions. Uh, they they did do one for uh, Brand Tricky. They're like he'll he will later be very he will go on to be consistently influential in baseball. And like that's the kind of like. That's all they leave it, and then like later on they're like, "Oh yeah," and so here's what he did, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, because like th- because his life, there'll be like ten years where he's not doing anything baseball related, <laughs> and then he goes to college, and you're like, "Okay, oh what what?" <laughs> yeah, uh, who was who was the the Mets coach? Casey Stengel. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's. Oh oh, that reminds me. Uh, Thais and I kept commenting on the great wit of baseball. Oh God, yes. Yeah. The, the baseball seems to encourage a certain kind of wit that I, I don't really feel that other sports have necessarily. There's there's something very dry about it, and very funny, and very like even that sort of like the Yogi Berra isms, which may that's not. A little, that's a little bit different, though. The Yogi Berra ones, I would say, is a separate kind of thing because his are more more absurd than the, <laughs> the sort of baseball wit that you're talking about. But um, th- there were some moments that Thias and I would like pause it and then just laugh for a while yeah <laughs> well i think this because part of baseball is the fact that like it's, it's such a punishing season but there's so much like time to breathe in the game mm-hmm. that you're like you it almost encourages you to just be thinking in a way that it says there's no clock you're not racing against anything Whereas most yeah. other sports, they all have, if I'm not mistaken, a timer of some sort. Quarters and everything. Innings are only marked by the outs, not by how much time you spend. And any can be as short as five minutes, probably 15 more likely, or as long as an hour. I, I think that cricket is like that, but cricket is a very different kind of game. I actually don't understand cricket. Well... You, you, pitch the, you pitch the ball at the, the wicket, and then you, you run back and forth, and it's uh, it's a good time for everyone. Well, the baseball, like, the documentary makes a very good point of going, look, uh, cricket is part of the, one of the genetic forefathers of baseball. The only difference is it's made for an upper-class type of people, so it can go on for days. Baseball is for the working class. They have to get to work the next day. So it can go on feasibly forever, but not really. It's designed to get over within a decent amount of time so you can spend your relaxing hours watching it, but then get home. Well, I mean, but it started off as sort of like a more upper, not like a, a leisure class, but like an upper working class game. Right. So With it wasn't... and everything. Yeah, and then like it slowly, and it, it started in the cities, and then it slowly percolated to the countries. And drop down through the classes until you're getting, you know, the the factory guys spitting on the floor and the country boys with no shoes playing. And then, like, it really changes. I mean, to me, that's when it really becomes the American sport. Well, part of what baseball, what fascinates me about baseball, besides the actual game, is the mythology of baseball. Yeah. And what the baseball documentary does is actually, like, try to look at that mythology. Mm-hmm. Because we mentioned at the top of the show about how Japan has sort of taken to baseball, and that is mentioned the occupation. The documentary mentions that once we landed in Japan, at uh, Okinawa, I believe, 
um, MacArthur was like, let him play baseball. It will foster democracy. The notion that baseball has this empirical power to grant a society freedom. (laughs) Honestly, one of the things, if there was a moment in this documentary series where I was like, I want to hear more about this and that they never came back to was baseball being played in Japanese internment camps. Yeah. In America. Yeah. They mention it once and never come back, and that <laughs> haunted me. I, I desperately wanted to hear more. I wanted to hear some freaking stories. I wanted to hear more about Satchel Page's game that he played under duress down in Cuba. Right? Yeah! That's, oh, yeah. Yeah, for those of you listening along at home, Satchel Page was kidnapped. By a dictator regime and force him and the other black uh, members of the black leagues were forced to play against the dictator's team, won, and got the hell out. Like, that is that is some pulp fiction <laughs> nonsense right there. Well, no, like, it starts out with, like, you know, in da-da-da-da-da year, several of the great black players, including Satchel Paige, disappeared. They'd resurface later, and it's like, wait, What? <laughs> Because they were literally pirated. They were shanghaied to a Caribbean dictator island or something. You wouldn't steal a car, but I would steal a great a great underdog steal, league baseball player, apparently. I would steal legendary baseball talent. What the I would definitely download a car. I would definitely I totally would. I know understood that. No one has ever responded to that advertisement with anything other than "screw you." I would download a car right now. <laughs> yeah, I would totally do that. Are you have... Telling me that where do I click? Which of these pop-ups? You're describing three you... D printing, and if it was, <laughs> it sounds like a beautiful way to disrupt the capitalist market. I would drive a different car every day. <laughs> no, you uh, wouldn't. You don't leave the house every day. Don't you come on the radio and tell lies? Uh, I'm not. I'm podcasting and telling lies. I, I, I'm the podcast. This is like a radio. This is I'm. But part of what it shows, I think, is how not just the sport uh, morphs into the institution and sort of big money business interest that it is now, but the fact that it went from a place where, as Kara said, a sort of moderately upper class wealthy people designed a game, it sort of got taken over by the working class and for a bit, for like a hot moment in the 20s to the 40s, it really started to become a place where the outcasts of societies drifted to. Yeah. Uh, there there like, are great stories about like the baseball players. Like people were like, ladies shouldn't go to baseball games because all the players do is fist fight each other <laughs> and like gouge each other with their cleats and they'll hit the other opposing team with balls. And the, and the umpire would be like, did you hit them with that ball? And it's like, only if you can prove it, ump. Like, <laughs> well, not only that, but the fact that they thought they like even the people in the stands were too rowdy. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, uh, the one of the nerdiest thoughts I had through the course of this series when they when they would get into how accurate some of these pitchers were, I was like, you know, they never point out how useful it would be to have a good pitcher on your side in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> well, part of what this like part of what it does also is show you how we take for granted how organized baseball is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, they, when you watch the older games or the pictures of the older games, they would sell tickets. To seats that didn't exist, which is what I mean is they would be on the field with the team. The crowd would be coming down out of the stands, surrounding the diamond, and you could feasibly, the only way they had them to block off the people in the field from the players was some guys with ropes. And people would be offering and bribing players to drop balls or to catch balls or to take balls. My favorite bit of that was like if you're like if if the other team was was out in the field, uh, like the the fans from the the fans would like push further out from the wall so they <laughs> didn't have as much room to catch. And if your team was on the field, they would like pull close to the walls to try and give them enough room to catch any like far out fly <laughs> like, balls. There's well, there, sort there's of one... madness to the game. <laughs> well, there's like this one of like uh, fifteen ten dollars if you catch it, twenty if you don't. <laughs> like... right. <laughs> I mean, also, I would do that. I would unappal. I would. I would do. I would. I would totally go and stand dangerously close to the giant angry men kicking each other with nails on their feet and holding like weapons and scream at him to drop the ball for fifteen dollars. You son of a bitch! Oh, well, not only me. that, but you're talking about a time when they weren't paid crap, so they were yeah. like, what? yeah. 
Well, this is also, if I recall, this was also in the similar era where it's like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep my stats up, or it's back to the mines. Right. Like, yeah. Is... Well, also, this goes back to another thing. What the documentary looks at is the labor movement and yeah. how the attempt to organize by the players are constantly mm. thwarted by the owners. Which is another thing. Again, the documentary does a really good job. Like, it's impossible to look at the labor movement in America and not talk about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a there's it's also a really good example of just the ways that America will betray uh, labor movements. Oh, hands down. <laughs> just a great one. So, d- just for for the studio audience, there's um there's a bit where so what happens is there's something called the reserve clause, and essentially, regardless of what intentions, what ends up doing is that so at the end of the year. Um, the manager decides that they can renew the player's contract without the player's consent. So the player either has to leave the game or allow their cla- or allow themselves to be removed or their contract can be sold. And they don't really have much of a say in it. And so this is how you end up with players being sold when they, you know, fall off their stats a little bit or bad trades or things like that. Or if you just have an owner who wants to sell them. And so you'll end up with players who are amazing players and could would love to make more money, and they're being locked into these terrible contracts, and they can't leave, and for a terrible team or in a situation they're being abused. And they go and basically argue, essentially, that this is a form of indentured servitude and slavery. And one of the ways that this is denied as like a labor issue, when many others had agreed that this kind of thing was illegal, is that it would destroy the game. And so essentially, I mean, to me, that's an admission of like, oh, yes, this is unethical, but for our toys, we will destroy these men. Right. And I'm like, if baseball can't survive without the reserve clause, then it doesn't deserve to survive. And like, it is, it is now broken. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, but um, the notion of like, it is indentured servitude, but the fact that they always went for the term slavery. Yeah, and I was just like, it was a little weird. Especially on that, buddy. Let's... Like, yeah, seeing seeing white players throw that around, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, buddy, oh, well, buddy, pal. But there, to, to me, there's especially in the early days of the game when it's literally like you will, because there's no retirement, there's no pension. Um, sometimes some of them are being forced to wash their own uniforms. So essentially, it's if you do not play this again very punishing sport at this insanely high level for no compensation even though someone else would gladly pay you more i'm going to keep you trapped here if you don't like it you can go die in the mines right well like that's all that's a horrifying thing to be sort of trapped into especially for a lot of these these men who are basically illiterate right well um the uh christian matheson who played for john mcgall and his new york Mm. giants um he replaced a pitcher who had like 129 wins or something like that. Mm. And then the narrator's like, as it turns out, none ahead of him. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then like, he played for like a year, but then immediately like afterwards went back to digging ditches. Because that was the yeah. thing, that was the job that we used to have. Look, you need ditches. Kara, hmm? uh, was, that, was that you making microphone noise? Uh, yeah, my the headset. Oh. Um, I, I have... I have enormously long, thick hair, and sometimes the headset will slide. Like literally, my hair will be so like a slide, and it will slide away. Okay. And I had to, I had to catch it. <laughs> one of the quotes from the documentary by mm. Stan Kowaleski mm-hmm. is one of my favorite quotes about the game. The pressure <laughs> never lets up. Don't matter what you did yesterday. That's history. It's tomorrow that counts. So you worry all the time. It never ends. Lloyd, baseball is a worrying thing. Yeah, that's a yeah, great quote. That seems, that seems accurate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, it does a really good job of not just the labor issue, but also, like, the punishing, like, exists. Like, you, if you're a baseball player, it's because you want to be a baseball player. Mm. And not only that, but, like, um, one of the people they talk about is my one of my favorites, Rue Bladell, <laughs> who was a pitcher, and he wrestled, alligator, wrestled alligators in the offseason. Oh, it's, it's fine. Often, if, if it's alligators, it's definitely wrestling. Wrestling alligators. And would easily so loved fire that if he was playing a game and he heard fire engines, his teammates would have to like restrain him from fleeing in the middle of the game to go chase down the fire. <laughs> the opposing team would often hold up kittens from the dugouts to distract him. Because these yeah, are that people was... who cannot function in basic, normal, cultured reality. And so baseball is where they go. 
I have a lot of sympathy for that. <laughs> that, that guy, that his story is amazing. Uh, his ending is also tragic. There's a, there's a lot, lot of, of tragedy in these people. Yeah, there's a lot of tragedy in baseball. Uh, Ty Cobb is a great, um, in terms of skill, he was a very talented baseball player that uh, predated the, the, the babe. And uh, he, to give a, a context for some of the things that Ty Cobb did and calling some of the records he set and some of the things that he did, uh, one of the things he did was he was a virulent racist <laughs> and stabbed a whole, tried to stab a hotel concierge to death. And the man was bought off by paying for his medical expenses because a black man dared to speak to him. Wasn't wasn't Ty Cobb also the one who would yell racial slurs at Babe Ruth? Yes, yes. he was, amongst other things. Other and people he was did that also too. Also, the same guy who beat an amputee in the fan, in the stands by oh. stomping him to near death because that fan called him the N-word. Yep. Yep. And then when they was like, how did they? They were like, well, he only has one arm. It's like I don't care. He shouldn't have called me that. Oh. It also should oh. be noted that his own team, who hated him. Well, like, well, I mean, that's fair. I called him. Yeah, like, the, the documentary doesn't shy away players. from the racism of the time, but we're also going to join, he's so racist, he's racist like, by these standards. Yeah, like, he was such a toxic load of a human being that his team, like, there, like, there were several instances of his team, like, plotting against him that I found very endearing. <laughs> yeah, to, like, and just, like, leaving him out to dry... Of just, just people hated him, and then uh, at the end of his life, you know, he has all these records. He's very well known in football and football. Wow, at baseball, and then at the end of his life, like no one comes to his funeral. He's he's driven away every spouse. He's driven away his fans. He is utterly alone, and he mourns. He's like, why don't I have any friends? It's like, well, probably. I'm just going to throw this one out there. I'm just going to suggest this. I'm just going to float this one. As a general rule, if you stab, attempt to stab someone to death for being black. Uh, you know, there are a, a lot of people feel that that's, um, inappropriate. Well, and Just, this, God, he like the racism is a part of it, but also, uh, watching it, uh, Coy made an interesting uh, comment because there's a story they tell about how he, uh, back in those days, you always roomed with another person. Yeah, and yeah. Ty Cobb was always the first one to get back and get, oh, yeah, and yeah. So the teammate talks about how. He managed to get back first one time. And Ty Cobb was at batting practice or something. And so he got into the bath first for the first time. And then Ty Cobb comes home, sees him in the bath, and physically wrestles him out of the bathtub, drags him, kicking his pulls his naked bathing roommate out of the tub. And then yells in his face, don't you understand, I have to be first. And Coy mentions that sounds a lot like impulse control uh, disorder. Like, there might be, not excusing the racism, but the other fact that he was just a horrid person to everyone else as well. More than likely, a neurological disorder, which back in those days must have been a hellish experience. But also, combined with that, a horrible, violent racist. Yeah, just an asshole. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, you look at somebody like Babe Ruth, who clearly had impulse control issues, who was, like, sent to boys' school as a child, who was just so awful to deal with that even his own family, like his own parents and siblings, wanted nothing to do with him. Because he was such a nightmare to deal with and to try and discipline. But he did end up, despite, like, his womanizing and his sleeping around and his, you know... Grand sh- grandson, all these things. He did end up with like being beloved. So you can. Uh, one of the things I think that's very indicative about Ty Cobb is that his mother was a uh, sixteen, and his father was a school teacher. Yeah. And you let that one sink in, including that several years later, while he was uh, away at a baseball game, his dad believed his mom was cheating on him. Yeah. So he tried to sneak into his wife's room, and she quote unquote accidentally mm-hmm. murdered her husband. Hashtag good for her. Look, in this house, we like to believe that she killed him on purpose. Well, not only that, but then Ty Cobb talks about how much he hates his mother. Yeah. And I'm Uh, like, buddy, she sounds like the least of your effing problems. Yeah, she is the hero of that story. (laughs) Hashtag goals. Um. But... What I... uh, I What's interesting is we bring up Ty Cobb, so we also have to bring up Honus Wagner. Mm. Who was the new opposite of all things Ty Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> He's nice, 
when someone calls on one of the black players the black Honus Wagner, he's like, hey, thanks for the comparison. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Uh, I would love to be as good as that player. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's honored by the comparison. He's not at all. Which also shows that, yes, people were racist, but the worst, some people, much like, um, oh, God, the guy who got killed uh, but the fairy rebellion, John Brown. There yeah. were also John Browns at the time. It was just not yeah. to say the majority of them weren't John Browns. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's like, That's the thing about the past, is even people who were, like, abolitionists back in slavery days would still be pretty racist. Right. Like, it's, it's a complicated confluence of things. Right. Like, there, and, actually, and I do appreciate that the, like, the document's like, this is really complicated. Because <laughs> yeah. There's actually... Go ahead. So, I'm sorry, there's actually some great bits. So, um... When Jackie Robinson is first tapped and, uh, you know, it's announced to the team, like, you're going to have a black player. We're going to have him play in the minors up in Canada for a year just to, like, get him felt out. But, like, we're doing this. And, like, they signed a petition. Like, a bunch of players signed a petition to be like, I'm not allowing this. And uh, their manager is like, that's cool. It's happening. And I own your ass with the reserve clause. (laughs) So make your choice, fancy boy. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, later on, those players would go on to not only be incredibly defensive of Jackie, but actually at his funeral and multiple times state that Jackie had made them a better person. It's the same thing that the coach up in Canada that was supposed to be coaching the team was actually from Mississippi and literally talked about Jackie B because he was black, not being a human being. Right. And then by the end of it, he uh, is reaching out and being like, he's going to be the best player you've ever had. He's amazing. And so there's, I, I actually, the, the thing that I think a point out that a lot of this points out is that um, you can be racist, but still find certain people useful. Right. Well, uh. the thing with Branch Rickey is he's such a force of nature. And the fact that he is the only person, like when he first signed on Jackie Robinson, like, oh, he's just doing it for the money. And I'm like, yeah, but no one else is doing it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like that. Of course, that's going to be part of it, but that would be part of it for anyone. But uh, and, at one uh, point, nobody else is doing it. There's a line; it's a throwaway line in a movie that came out like a year or two ago. Uh, what men want? That Taraji P. Henson remake of What Women Want. Oh mm. yeah, I forgot about uh, that. Tracy Morgan plays the uh, a father figure of one of the people she's trying to sign, and he has his monologue that sort of goes on in the background. And I forget who the other person was, but he's like, Branch Ricky and this other guy, the only two white people who I would consider safe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really sort of jarring to me how many people don't know the name Branch Ricky. Yeah, I did not know I it learned all it. Before, I, yeah. uh, before we watched this series. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen 42 with Harrison Ford playing Branch Ricky, it's one of the few times in modern cinema that Harrison Ford seems to be, like, alive. <laughs> oh... I mean, I don't, I, yeah, that's an accurate description of the rest of it. <laughs> like, he's enjoying himself in a way I haven't seen him enjoy himself in the latter half of my life. Hmm. I don't know, Harrison Ford always seemed kind of angry that he was um, handsome and famous. Yeah. He has like, even, even back in his long... I think Harrison Ford, if he had a choice, would have just kept building cabinets or whatever <laughs> yeah. he did before. There's just something very much about his whole attitude towards Star Wars. It's like, ah, God, I'm a millionaire now. Mistakes were made. <laughs> Alright, so, we have to wrap this up. Final uh, yeah. thoughts on either the documentary or the game itself? Uh, honestly, one of the things that I, I thought as I was watching this is it actually, in a lot of ways, it presages, I think, long-form documentary podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a like, if if you if if you want to get an idea of how to do like an in depth documentary, whether it's it's in uh, even if all you want to do is audio, like what you this is a series like this or and or Civil War, like some long Ken Burns series, you need to watch because it it would take very little effort to take like you you'd miss some things like the visuals. There weren't a lot of visuals that I thought were like oh this is absolutely necessary, but there are some. That I'm like, oh, if this hadn't been there, like, I would have missed out. But even so, like, you could take baseball and make it a podcast series without a lot of uh, editing. Well, the visuals for me were, like, showing the massive amounts of people at the stands. 
Yeah. Yeah. But but also, I mean, like one of the things that I I think there's also a subtle storytelling because when they would switch to talking about the black leagues, they would switch to playing black music. Yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, uh, regular regular listeners will know that the sound of the delivery truck in the background means we're almost out of time. <laughs> but like, I, I recognized at one point, I was like, "Is that is is that dark? Was the night cold? Was the ground?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it, they, they do a, like the the music usage in this. We haven't talked about it at all, but they do a lot of really good subtle things in the background setting oh, yeah. tones. Yeah, whenever they talk pieces. about like. Uh, pay disputes unionization. There's this oh yeah, they kept playing in the background. They kept playing like Joe Hill, which is this old <laughs> union song. I, I absolutely love the fact. Like, there's a lot of subtle stuff that's done auditorily, uh, worth paying attention to on its own uh, merits. Like, it's it's fantastic. Uh, I'm done now. Uh, I actually I, I love this as a documentary. I'd actually recommend uh, someone t- people to watch it. To be honest, I'm um, not quite at the pace that I did. Perhaps, <laughs> but um, one of the things that was interesting, though, is that rhetorically, it was making a very clear argument about the way people love baseball and the way people consume baseball. That is, um, in some ways, very recognizable. In some ways, very alien to my own experience with how I love and feel about baseball. And uh, what's funny is that for all that I love and I think it's great, I'm not sure I buy what it's selling. Okay. Which I, I'm buying that baseball is a great game because I love baseball, but I'm not buying like, oh, you know, baseball is distinctly different in these specific ways from every other game i'm like i think that anybody like any true fan of an obsessive fan of a sport will be like no it's it's more than just love of the game it's all these other things and it's history and it's culture and it's family and it's passed down for generations those things are true for a lot of things so i'm not quite sure i always buy what they're selling but i definitely wanted to hear them try to sell it to me uh i agree especially on that uh for me i think what it's doing a really good job is showing unlike almost every other sport the mythology of baseball is mm. massive. Also, yeah. I mean, baseball just has a leg up in its it, the length of its history in America. Right. Okay. Well, they, they also say at one point, and I do love this. Uh, everybody watches a baseball game and thinks, "I could do that." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a quote by Thomas Boswell, and it that I that I like is the fact that like he said his mother always like talked about going to church. She mm. never went every Sunday, but the fact that it was there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's how I feel yeah. about baseball because there's so many games. I don't have to watch every game, but yeah. sometimes when I need it, I know it's there. Yeah, it's like I don't have to follow baseball, which I do not. Like you do, uh, <laughs> I do. and have increasingly become a baseball obsessive as you get older. Um, I do, <laughs> but I've managed not to tweet or talk about them this much this season. Uh, Thankfully, because I, I mean, would have I, been I an absolute know. wreck a couple, last week. <laughs> but I, I do want to, to tell all of you people who may not know Jeremiah as uh, for as long as I have, but this is, in the thrust of Jeremiah's life, a fairly recent development. No, you just uh, didn't like, know were, me when I was a kid. I guess that's fair, but like you did... Uh, but you did not as as you did not proselytize baseball as much throughout no, the time that I knew true. you. Uh, um, until after, you moved once away. Once the strike happened... <laughs> I stopped watching baseball altogether, and then, yeah. honestly, I moved out to L.A., and I watched this documentary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that was what did it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. From this, uh, there is a minor league baseball team in our in our town, the, the Corn Crib. <laughs> I'm not playing here. This is Illinois in good sun. Our baseball team will be named after the crop. No, no, uh, no, no. I do love the fact that can we just talk about all the great names of all Oh, the God. We would run out of – we would talk for another podcast-length episode. <laughs> My I favorite is the Boston, like... Boston Bean Eaters. I will forever love that as a team name. <laughs> well, there was the, – the, the Black League, the Negro League, had like like the Giants – the tall giants, the short giants, the other giants, the east giants, the west giants, and the north giants north, distinct from the south giants north. Like, what? Like, the same team name. But, like, if it's it's not baseball if it's not right. uh, a little bit mad. All right. Uh, anyhow, you were going on? Okay, so um, I recommend this wholeheartedly. I watch it at least twice a year, once in preseason and once in post. Oh, wow, you have a problem. (laughs) Well, the thing is, this thing is so massive, you forget things. That's true. I I forgot. I could could feel myself forgetting things while I was watching it, so I will, too, return to it uh, one day. Uh, Jeremiah, do you ugly cry at any point while watching it, or are you, like, are you numb to it now? Um, I don't ugly cry, but I do tear up. 
the the, the man tier where you just have like at the outer corner of your eye like it's not there. Yeah, ja- Jackie Robinson funeral and uh, Lou Gehrig's big yeah. speech. Um, oh yeah, Babe yeah Ruth's that final. Um, hearing yeah. the yeah. stories of Banchwicky talking about that one uh, play on his Westlands League. Yeah, uh, stuff like that. Um, I cry a lot in movies anyway, so it's not a huge deal. Hmm. Um, I tend to cry in sad moments if I actually if like the movie's working, but. That's a different thing altogether. But yes, yeah. I do cry in this. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too broken, but I do feel things in my uh, convoluted <laughs> inner mechanisms. No, I I, I, um, I uh, cried pretty hard at a few different parts. It's a, it's a really emotional, really well thought out, really well researched documentary. And I encourage anyone, even people who aren't fans of baseball, you would still find something interesting because they do a really deep dive on American history. And just yeah. like the stuff going on and how and putting it in context. Yeah, um, if, you, if you want to learn the history of uh, of America, but don't want to learn the the parts that are focused on war, you'll get a lot of that in the sidelines while seeing a lot <laughs> other uh, uh, while getting a lot of the same like thrust culturally. So yeah. you know, worthwhile. Um, that's all I have. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back next time. We'll be back on musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, Animated musicals because Kara has one that's been burning a hole in her pocket. Alright, that's all the time we have. Say goodbye, guys. Bye! Bye, guys. Uh, have a good one.